What's going on, guys? This is Marion, and I want to welcome you to the first official episode of High End Client Acquisition Podcast. Our first guest today is Brad Martino with Sixth Division, and his journey and his story, the way that he shares it today, can literally change any business. Like, I really want to say that you should pay attention to everything from the time that he was an employee, freelancer, and then getting to the level of a multiple seven-figure agency. But regardless of your industry, this can help you understand how you can command premium prices, even if you're just starting out. So let's jump right into it. Welcome to High End Client Acquisition Podcast. My name is Marion. I'm your host, and this show is here to teach you how to attract your dream clients on autopilot in 30 days or less. Each week, I bring you a guest or a strategy that can help you take your business to the next level. Don't forget, you can always get the episodes in your inbox or messenger at clientacquisitionpodcast.com. Brad, so first of all, I want to say thank you for accepting my invitation to our podcast. And for everybody that doesn't know you or is not familiar with Sixth Division, do you mind letting us know who you are, what do you do, what do you guys are up to, and all that stuff? Yeah, so my name is Brad Martineau. I'm the CEO and co-founder of a company called Sixth Division. We're a multi-seven-figure agency. We help people build what we call our predictable revenue machines, which is uh, another way of saying we help people leverage the power of systems and automation so they can systematically deliver amazing experiences and, and basically convert more leads into clients and then also create more happier clients. So awesome. we, we come in, consult on it, and then actually go build it for our clients. Awesome. So before we get into strategies and other things like that, for a lot of people that look at you now and the fact that Sixth Division, it's a multiple seven-figure agency, and I know me and you have been chatting on our way here, tell us, I'm pretty sure you're going to love the question, Tell us, uh, how was the first year when you started Sixth Division? All right, so, let's see, so it's 2010 um, is when I first started out on my own, uh, March 3rd, 2010. And I had no freaking clue what I was doing. Like, zero idea whatsoever. I was born with entrepreneurial blood, but I didn't realize it. And uh, I left the company that I was at, and I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm gonna go do this thing on my own. And I had, like, when I say I had no freaking idea, this is, that you want, you want like true behind closed doors? No freaking idea. Like, I'm talking, <clears throat> when people talk about waking up in the middle of the night with cold sweats, that's not, made, that's not a made up thing. That's like, holy crap, what am I gonna do? So, for about a year and a half, I, I tried doing some freelance consulting. Um, and I realized really quickly, like I don't like it. I'm not like a do things on myself. I need a team, yeah. I wanna be building something. So um, so that lasted about six months. I'm like, I just can't like, I can't bring myself to do this. There's no end, like there's no end game in this. There's no like, I'm not accomplishing anything other than I'm knocking out one project at a time. So there was no excitement in it for me. And as a result of that, like I just couldn't make myself do the work. And I happened to have enough money and savings and a severance package from my other company that I could afford to, like I, I just stopped doing work. So, well, it's not really cool because I was married and I had five kids and they wanted, you know, they like food or whatever. So, all right. So anyway, so we fast forward through that and I stopped working, you know, money starts to go away, but I'm just like, okay, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. And I came up with this idea to do a membership site because that's what everybody does. You do a membership site and all of a sudden you make a ton of money or something like that. Um, so we did that, made a little bit of money, but I never really grew it because again, like I, I wasn't like, an, I didn't come from like real entrepreneurial roots. So, um, so I tried that. We actually had a pretty good launch. We've got like 85 members in our first launch. 
Um, and then I just kind of let it die because I was afraid and I was being a sissy. It's like, like I could give you details of it, but that's basically what happened. So it kind of faded away. And essentially, two years later, um, money was running out. I found a partner. I'm like, hey, we're going to go build a team and we're going to go build a real company. We started that. And as is pretty common with most entrepreneurs and businesses, like the first six months, we made some money, but it was all going to, to payroll and to expenses. I didn't, we, my business partner, I didn't take any money out for the first six months. That was leading up until March 2012. Um, in fact, we went to an event uh, similar to like an event we're at right now. And uh, I had the chance to speak and we could sell from stage. And the morning that I was going to sell from stage, I got emails from my personal bank and my business bank account. So they were all overdrawn. Like I was out of money. Right before you got on the Right before I got on stage. Real, real good boost of confidence. I was like, I was okay, this about is to say that. It's really exciting. So, so, the, so that's what it was. Like you want to go behind closed doors for the first uh, year and a half to two years of what has become Sixth Division. Because um, Sixth Division looks really cool right now. Yeah, and, and that's why I wanted to point out because these things were not necessarily documented so people can, can see it. You don't typically hear the stories. You know, there's an element in marketing. Like, hey, I got to tell the story like I'm credible. Like, okay, here's what it is. Yeah, we did really cool stuff. I can tell you all the stuff we learned there. And for the first two years, um, so in terms of like takeaways, right? Because I think we're, we're talking younger demographic looking to get yep. into business, right? Um, takeaways for me would be you're not supposed to know what you're going to do when you start. So stop, car- stop carrying it over your head like you're supposed to. Like you won't know. Because what happens is when you think you're supposed to know, not only one do you have a fear of, is the idea that I have going to work, but you compound it by adding extra pressure that the idea that you have is supposed to be the one that works. You do, like, you're not supposed to know. If I could go back to myself right when I started at the very beginning and be like, look, dude, um, here's what's going to happen in the next two years. You're going to try some stuff and some of it's going to feel good and some of it's not. And you're going to find out what you want to do and it'll probably take you a couple of years. And if you stop pretending like, if you stop worrying about whether your answer of what you're supposed to do is the right answer, you might actually make some money. Because what people do is they take an idea and they keep it in their head and they try and mold it and massage it to make it be like the perfect thing because that's got to work. Because if that doesn't work, then who am I as an entrepreneur? Because my idea didn't work. I, look, on, all the entrepreneurs I know that are successful, they will all tell you the same thing. No, you just try stuff and something will stick. And if you remove the extra pressure that you're even supposed to know, it's like, no, the entrepreneur's job is to, hey, there's an idea, there's a potential market. Can I find people that will pay for it? Can I make the economics work? Oh, I'm making money. Is it fun? Does it fulfill me? Okay, I can run with this one. See, I didn't do that. I was like, no, whatever I do, I have to get it right out the gates. So I didn't do anything. So I didn't make any money. You can make money, you can make money doing something that you will not, that is not the long-term play. And that you're like, I don't actually like this. I'm going to kill it. Okay. Yeah. Now, you know, and you've learned a bunch of stuff, but like, go mo- you do it till you do it. Yeah. So, you know, you have something, you have an idea you want. Don't hold to it. So tight. So, don't hold to it so tightly. It has to work. Interesting. And I think we can all relate to that to a certain extent. If you look back in time now, what would you say was one thing you did that separated you from the crowd and maybe made a difference in growing the business and, and being able to, you know, to charge more? And so there was one thing that I, what I was going to say is I wish I could say that it was like, oh, I'm really smart. I can see that this is what it is. I'm going to go do this. No, it just totally happened on accident. And depending on what your belief is, it wasn't on accident. I believe it was like, but it wasn't my, it had nothing to do with me. And here's what we did. We showed up an event. So I told you, I woke up that yeah. morning, I had no money. We're going to sell that night. We showed up an event and we went to the event with three different offerings because we're like, oh, we got to have an offering for this kind of person, an offering for this kind of person, like at all price points because we wanted to create something for everybody. Yeah. Take notes. Bad idea. Create something for everybody. No, we don't do that yet. You don't ever start that way. So I get up on stage and um, on, from stage, I was only selling one thing and it was yeah. a $6,000 
Come okay. hang out with us for two days and we'll implement a bunch of stuff for you. I was scared out of my mind. I've never sold anything more than $50 from stage. Um, and we sold a freaking ton of them. Just from that stage? Just from that stage. That, so we did, from, from uh, end of March to the end of that year, 2012, we did uh, seven figures in sales in our first year. Now that's not, as, that's not as attractive as it sounds. If you could see what my life looked like in that year, you would not want it. It was horrible. I mean, it was just crazy. It was great because the business was going, but it was, it was like we're fulfilling and then we got to sell new stuff and then we got to travel to go to events. We got like, there's just all kinds of stuff going on. Here's what happened though, in all of that. And all of that, what happened is um, I inadvertently, I'm gonna give you two things. I inadvertently stumbled on the two things that made all the difference in the world. One, at the event, we sold a ton of this, this two-day $6,000 two $6, deal. We had another one that was 1500 bucks a month um, that you could sign up for. We had another one that was $97 a month, like a membership site. Not a single person bought the $97 a month thing. One person bought the $1,500 a month thing, and within a week, we, I mean, we kind of decided we want to do it, and they also yeah. decided to too. And what it left us with was, okay, everybody wants this. One single thing that, I can, that I can put all my energy into. So, so the big, like the first big aha moment that it was more like a, hey, genius, wake up, was pick one thing. Because every time you create another offering, you have to be able to staff the selling of that offering. You got to be able to staff the fulfillment of that offering. You got to, it's like having a whole another business. For the first, we got to probably two and a half, maybe two and, and three quarter million dollar business on one offering. And at this point, how many people were in, were in the team? Uh, when we started, there were five or six, five four or five, five or six. I mean, they were full-time, let's say, four full-time, and then we had some, like, like a part-time kind of person, and or eventually, yeah, eventually we had to, we had to cycle some of them out, but, so that was, that was the first big thing, is just focus on a single thing. Anytime I'm talking to anybody that wants to go start a business, and they're like, yeah, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this, just pick one. Just make one thing work. It's going to take enough time and energy to make the one thing work. You don't need to be worrying about trying to make five things work. So you guys were selling this high ticket offer, six grand, and it just happened to sell it from stage, right? So, you know, since this podcast is called High End Client Acquisition, what is a piece of advice that we can give to our listeners from this experience that they can, you know, get on track and start to work with, with high end client? Pick the most expensive thing. The thing, sorry, the thing that has the highest profit. So those are the yep. two like, oh, that works really well. Because what happened is we sold a whole boatload of these $6,000 deals. We had a bunch, they were the most profitable thing. And what it did is it, while my schedule was still crazy for a year, that gave us the profit to be able to actually breathe a little bit to make decision to move forward. Whereas if we had sold $197 a month memberships, that like, that doesn't actually- It wouldn't move the needle. It, would, it wouldn't move the needle. I like, it's like, oh crap, I still gotta make payroll. When I go sell a freaking boatload at $6,000, and then every month when it's like, think about it, if I do a, if I do 100 people at 100 bucks a month, I've got, what, $10,000 a month in revenue. It's not going to cover many people. If I have a $6,000 offering and I sell four of them a month and I only have four clients to deal with, now I've got $25,000 a month, right? So it's, it's pick one thing and where possible, start with the thing that has the most amount of profit because it buys you room to go do everything else. Those, like the two, those two principles combined are what did the initial like, oh, there we go. Hmm. But if you'd ask me, I'd say that that live event offer put you on the map pretty aggressively. Am I wrong? Yes, and we um, we tapped into a massive pain. So there's, I mean, we wanted to go another element. Business is about, there's a need in the market. Your ability to sell it, to be able to sell it for a lot of money and to be sell a lot of it, is directly correlated to the pain or desire that somebody feels for it. 
and your ability to craft a message that has to be like, holy crap, that. I mean, we had, yeah, we, we closed like 30% of the room. All right. Now, since you guys work with mid and small size companies, what is a big mistake you see people make on and on and on? A really big mistake that I see a lot of people make um, over and over again. Oh, let me think. So we just, I just did this prezo and we talked about, there's like there's six of them. Those are the ones that I've, I've latched onto. I, it's gonna go back to kind of what I alluded to at the beginning. I would say one of the biggest ones that's really present for me right now, because I'm seeing it a lot, is that entrepreneurs, so you have an entrepreneur, business owner, who has ideas. And the entrepreneurs that I'm interacting with, I'm starting to notice that entrepreneurs, and, and I noticed this in me, and then I'm like, oh, we need to change that, and now I'm starting to see it in, every, in everybody else, not in everybody else, but in a lot of people. Yeah. We create, we take like part of our own personal identity and we bake it into our ideas. And that's really dangerous. Because what happens is, is when my identity is tied up in the idea that I had, then I'm gonna be overprotective. This is the same thing I said at the beginning. I'm gonna be really overprotective about when it launches. I'm gonna be nervous to launch it because if the idea fails and my identity's in, my identity and, and, and who I am is partly in that idea, that means I failed. And nobody wants to fail. So like, um, so the idea for me, what I'm, what I'm working to build is just like a strength and a muscle in our business and I'm really starting to push on with entrepreneurs is your, um, to the extent that you are capable of looking at an idea like a totally separate inanimate object from you. It doesn't have, like, an idea is like a commodity, it's just a thing. And then your ability to get it implemented as fast as freaking possible to see if it's gonna work, to prove it. When you remove all emotion, all ego, all pride, everything out of the idea, and it's like, yeah, I got 15 ideas. Because what people do is, I got 15 ideas. Is it a good idea? I don't care. Like, there are, there are some ideas you look at and be like, yeah, I don't think that's gonna work. Okay, great. But that doesn't mean it's a good idea or not a good idea. It just means that you don't think that you're, gonna, you're not gonna put any energy into it because you don't think that it's gonna work. But there's no good or bad ideas. Like, you take all that out, because if you say, is it a good idea, what you're saying is, did I come up with a good idea? No, it's like, no, look, I had an idea. Which one seemed plausible? That one does, which one seems like it's probably the most plausible based on everything we know. That one, go launch it. Without any expectation it's gonna work. I just tell myself, all my ideas suck and they're gonna fail and one of them's gonna surprise me and I'll be like, okay, we'll go with that one. Like there's no, like there's no extra badge that you get, no like ribbon that you get, no extra money you make. It's not like you get a 10% bump on top of your sales from a magical source because you had an idea and you're like, dude, that's the winner and then it was the winner. Makes perfect sense. The only time you make money is when the idea is implemented. It doesn't matter where it came from. Doesn't matter who came up with it. There is no like, and, and you're not, your job as an entrepreneur actually is not to be the one that comes up with the winner idea. It's to have a machine that can churn through all the ideas and then you'll be left with one that works or two that work. So like not, there's just, there's a resistance. Like, no, I can't do it. Why not? Well, what if it fails? Then it fails and you go to the next one. And it doesn't mean anything about you. You wouldn't know if. if yeah, and we tell ourselves like, no, but I, I, I should know. I, whatever. I have a phrase, stop shooting on yourself. I want to get a shirt made that says, stop shooting on yourself. There is no should. Just, there's an idea, launch it, see if it worked. If it worked, go make it better. If it didn't work, kill it. Go to a new one. Without any emotion, no pride, you don't lose any sleep. You don't like feel bad about yourself. You don't get embarrassed when you're in like a room full of entrepreneurs. They're like, yeah, I did this idea. You're like, yeah, cool. I did like a hundred that didn't work. So like stop debating on, on shit and keep... <laughs> yeah, go. It's like, hey, is this a good idea? Um, is it live? No, it's like, is it live? I don't know unless it's live. That's the only way I can tell if it's an, an idea is good or not. Did you implement it? And then all the reasons come out like, well, well, I can't because, you know, what if this happens or what if this happens? Then you deal with it? I don't know. 
So anyway, I, like we could go on for a long <laughs> time about we can go on a long time about this one. This one, like I'm real, it's a really I'm really passionate about it right now. It's like just go and do it. Okay, cool. Now let's talk a different scenario. If somebody has already figured out their audience, their message, but they're still at the solopreneur, you know, kind of beginning stage, right? What's the next step for them? Keep it simple. And here's what I mean. Business is really, really, really simple. Um, it's, there's uh, somebody over here that has a need and there's somebody over here that has a thing that fills the need and this gets handed over here in exchange for money. And there's a spectrum, right? So that's, you're exchanging money for a service or a product. If you take somebody's money and you don't deliver a service or a product on this edge of the spectrum, it's called fraud. If you deliver a service or product and don't take any money, it's called charity. We're talking business in the middle. So, so, the, so the key is, is recognize, um, one, that business is literally, all it's about is somebody has a need, I have a thing that can solve the need, they're gonna give me value in exchange for value, their value is gonna come to me in the form of money. That's it. So keep it simple because you'll get into conferences, you'll, you'll be listening to podcasts and stuff and people will talk about all these things and you'll start to get like all the different strategies you could follow and you'll start to get away from the fact that at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is that there's somebody who's got a need or a want and you're going to fill it. That's it. And when you, um, if you're not making enough money, then you might be running a charity. Now a charity doesn't, like the more you go down the spectrum where you, you don't charge enough, you're running a charity and you're actually hurting yourself. When you start going this way, if you deliver crappy quality service, in my opinion, you're a fraud. Now, it's not full fraud where you didn't deliver anything, but like if you are just delivering crappy service, that's, it's the same spectrum. So here's why that's the backdrop for me. Um, all problems, when it relates to finding clients and getting money, like because we're not talking about hiring a team, we're not talking about yeah. that, just about making money. All problems or all questions, all opportunity boils down to one of two things. What is the process I have in place to convert a lead into a prospect into a client? Meaning like, how many emails do I send? How many phone calls? Like that whole thing. And then to deliver, it's the process. It's, is it three emails? Is it seven emails? Is it two phone calls? Is it one phone call? Do they come into my office? Is it all done virtually? It's the process. And then it's the messaging and it's the language. It's the message you deliver. So you have someone who has a need, you have something that can solve the need, all you have to figure out is where are they and how do I get them into my process and what sign do I take, and obviously not a real sign, but yeah. what sign do I take that has a message that has them say, oh yeah, that, I want that. So people get like, I'm gonna do an automated webinar, I'm gonna do this, this, this. I'm like, no, I have an idea. Do you even know what your audience wants? So if we go into practical steps, here's what it looks like for me. You start, number one, by knowing who you're serving. You've got to be able to identify them and be like, like for us, we serve entrepreneurs um, who have like smaller businesses. We're not going after like the 100 employee business. We could. The thing I have can serve those people, but I'm not going after those people. Um, if I narrow it down to the people that I just love working with the most, it's the people who have some element of either a human is selling in the sales process or a human is fulfilling on the delivery process, but there's a human to human element somewhere involved. So it's not fully automated. It's not fully automated. And, and, and part of the reason why is because what we're really up to at Sixth Division is I want to create leaders in the world. And it's really hard to create leaders. It's a different dynamic when the whole business is fully automated as opposed to like the CEO has to actually lead people. So, um, I know that that's what my audience is, and I'm looking for people who, who value having a system and a process and want to, they want to have a growing business, but they want it to be as calm and organized as possible. So like, I know who I'm serving. Cool. So if someone wants to either launch a new product or service to a brand new audience? Yeah, no, you want to get as narrow as possible. And, you, and I believe you want to have a reason why. Why that group? And it's not because of the problem they have. Like, what is it about that group that as you, like for me, 
the reason why I want to serve this group that I've, that I've talked about is because when you have humans that are selling or humans that are fulfilling, it means that there's a team that's going to be involved and I can make it really easy for the team and then I can get into the ear of the entrepreneur to turn him into a leader or her into a leader for the team and that will inevitably then turn the team into leaders as they go home into their families. That'll impact their families. Their families will then go interact with their friends, which will impact their friends. Like The whole sixth division plays about creating leaders. And what I've identified is people subconsciously want that and there's a massive pain point which is I can't figure out this whole automation thing. I use automation to get people in so I can create leaders. That's why I go after that business. So I know who I'm going after and I'm aware of why I'm going after them and there's, there's a reason behind it. Once I know who I'm going after, the next step is I'm just going to go to them and I'm going to figure out, one, what is the thing that's the biggest problem for you that's like really painful that you're willing to pay and how do you describe it? Tell me how you describe what the problem is. Like, and again, see, people shy away from this because as an entrepreneur, they want to know what the idea is. Like, no, I'm not going to ask my clients. I know what they want. Okay. Or you can just be like, I can just talk to entrepreneurs and be like, hey, what sucks right now for you? And they'll just tell you. And then it's like, all right, cool. Now I know how to create all my marketing message, all my sales messages come because I know, because my client, the one I'm trying to serve anyway, tells me, dude, you know what would be awesome is if I had this thing. All right. And then my question is, okay, if it's that product or service, can I make money at that? Like, I don't want it to be a charity. I want to provide value and I want to provide value for me. So can I make money at that thing? And if so, then how do I get the person, like, how do they talk about it so that when I go talk to them, they're like, oh my gosh, yes, you. Like, you're in my head. So, so, so keep it simple and know that all you're doing is you're identifying a pain that people have a, a willingness to pay for. Um, and they are already thinking about it. All you have to do is get in and say, okay, well, how do they talk about it so I can just carry that, that story to them and then get them to come buy the product or service. And then I got to deliver and make, and I got to blow their mind. Cool. And if they don't have, so let's say for example, if somebody just starting out, they know the audience, but they don't have customers yet, should they run like an ask campaign type? For, uh, like asking, like ask, yeah, or, asking that? Yeah, or pick up the phone. <laughs> like nowadays a lot of people are like, oh no, I got to like, I got to like put up a landing page. I have an idea. Take a week which is the time you'd spend trying to decide which landing page tool to use is if it matters. Anyway, that's a whole nother yeah. conversation. Take a week and pick up the phone and just call people. Like call calling for finding out the biggest problem yeah. in the business. Yeah. Like yeah. I hope you guys can, can understand the like, value of this. It's like, hey, I have an idea. Hey, you run a business, right? Cool. Hey, so can I talk to you for 15 minutes? It'd be a massive help for me. I'm not, I have nothing to sell at all. I just want to talk to you. And instead of spending ad money, on trying to drive people to that sort of a campaign. Yeah, and I'm, call, call. yeah, call them and if you got the money to spend, be like, look, I'll send you this. Or just be like, hey, look, I recognize, like I'm in the business of I want to serve this group of people. It looks like you're in this, is that, is that right? Okay, look, I'm, I am on a mission to create a solution for you know, one of these problems. Is that a problem for you? Will you just take five minutes and talk to me about it? Hmm, to be honest, I think you're the first person saying that. There's like a you know, pretty cool concept yeah, before, I, before I go create a product or run Facebook ads or, or go create a funnel, it's like, I have an idea. I think these people want this. Maybe I'll just pick up the phone and ask them. And people want to do that. It's like, oh, well, that's like, that's like work. I have to talk to people. What if they say no? I, if you're afraid of people saying no, you should quit right now. It's like entrepreneurship all day long is people saying, no, I don't want it. And that's just because you haven't figured out the message yet. So the whole point is, how much easier will every sales conversation be, every ad that you have to write, every email you have to write, every landing page you have to build, how much easier it will be when you're like, look, I booked 100 calls with these people. I know exactly what they say. Or you can do what everybody, not everybody, I'm being a little bit facetious, but or you can do what a lot of people do, which is, no, I'm not going to ask them and I'm going to wonder, I'm going I'm to try and like navigate through my sales calls and see if I can make it up. 
No, I just go talk to them ahead of time. Like, I don't like to play games that I can't win. So it's like, no, it's real clear. They have a problem. People that have a problem are willing to pay for it. They're not afraid of talking about it. If you have a solution, they'll tell you. Like, if you have a solution, they're going to want it. So your job is, let me go figure out what the problem actually is. And I just, to invest money in an entire infrastructure around something that I don't actually know what the problem is just doesn't make sense to me. Like, look, if you don't have the skill set to be able to create a funnel and you don't have the ads to go run it, um, you, if you have that, you can do that. That's another viable option. The point is, is there's a million, op- there's a million markets you could serve. Pick who you want to serve and identify what you think the problem is that you're going to solve. And then go validate it before you go invest a whole bunch of time. So and I'm just saying, if you're on a budget, don't tell yourself, oh, I, just, I don't know how to make this work because I can't get my funnels up and running. I don't have any money to spend. Yeah, but you do have a phone and it's a cell phone. You're already paying the bill. It doesn't matter how many calls you make. So whatever it is, whether it's cold calling, whether it's like going, like if you serve people that operate out of like a strip mall, go knocking door to door and be like, hey, look, I just like, I literally have nothing to sell. I come with a Krispy Kreme donut. If you'll answer my questions, I'll give like what I don't care what it is. Get creative. But it's like validate that what you think is a problem that they have that they'd be willing to pay for actually is a problem that they have and would be willing to pay for. And this goes back to like people won't do that. It's like, well. I don't want my, like, I like my idea. I don't want it to not be valid. No, I want to know right now if my idea is not right. Because you're not making money. You're yeah. not make money. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, I'd rather know that now before, like, before I go spend all the time and the energy to make it happen. So anyway. That was awesome, Brad. Um, again, I really want to say appreciate a lot. All the answers, the fact that it took the time, you know, to sit with me today and share your journey, the story. And, and you know, on top of that, all the strategies and tactics that a lot of, uh, listeners can go ahead and, and implement. So again, thanks a lot. Um, everyone that wants to reach out to you or Six Division, where where can they go? Uh, easiest place is sixdivision.com. It's S-I-X-T-H division.com, not the number. There's no number in there. So sixdivision.com. Um, we've got some stuff on there. If you want to talk with someone on our team, you can fill out the form. There are some resources you can get. Um, you can go find us on Facebook. I mean, we're just... We're around. So. All right, guys. So I hope you enjoyed this episode with Brad. And I really hope that you put down some notes or at least you're going to go back and, and make sure you implement some of the stuff that he shared with us. But I want to mention this. Like I said, and you probably heard it in the intro as well. Each week, my plan is to either bring you a guest or bring you a strategy that you can go ahead and implement as soon as possible. So for those of you that are listening, let me know what's your biggest takeaway from this episode alone, because it could be many of them, of course. And then either tag me on Instagram or, you know, tag me on Facebook or Twitter, anywhere that you like to spend your time. And of course, I'll put in the notes all my uh, handles and don't forget about the giveaway. So in the outro, in the next couple of seconds, you'll find out how to enter in our monthly giveaway where we give away books, mentorship um, courses and a bunch of other cool, cool stuff. So keep in touch. Thanks again for giving me your attention. And I talk to you guys soon. Take care. Hey podcast listeners, I want you to know that I really appreciate your attention and I don't take it lightly. That's why each month we pick a lucky winner and we give away books, mentorship, software, courses, iPads, and other cool stuff. The way to enter is go to clientacquisitionpodcast.com and sign up. You'll get all the details there. Talk to you guys soon. Take care.